Being thankful, something, something we see throughout scriptures, one of the most common theme of scriptures, really has kind of two facets to it and when it comes to being thankful. And maybe we experience this around, the, around our Thanksgiving tables and celebrations this year. And the, and the most common is simply being thankful for something I receive, isn't it? Whether an act of kindness, an oppor- a good opportunity, or an object or thing received, something we've been wanting. And in those cases, we are thankful or happy for ourselves because we got something, we received something favorable. And that's really the most common attitude of thankfulness you find in the world. That is what's often stated when you, people go around the Thanksgiving table. And, but that kind of thankfulness kind of falls short, doesn't it? Because it dis- disassociates the gift from the giver. And really could be viewed as a form of selfish gratitude. Simply, it's something that makes me happy and glad. But instead, biblical thankfulness, as we see in the scriptures, goes beyond that and includes the giver. It focuses on the giver. And of course, for the Christian, that is God, because James 1 tells us that every good gift and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from the hand of God. And true thankfulness focuses on the giver rather than simply on my selfish gratifications for what I have gotten. The occasion for thankfulness often is twofold in our lives. One is often a response to the goodness of God, the loving kindness of God, the favor of God shown our direction. And the other facet of that is the goodness of God which gives help in trouble. It is, it is love and, and support in trials. It is strength when we need it, comfort when we're desperate, and wisdom in our lives. And so those are the occasions, isn't it? Thankful for something good, help when things aren't going so good as well. And we think of being thankful for God's goodness and grace. There are many areas as believers we, we can be thankful for. And the most obvious is the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? We just sang his robes for mine. And that song often brings me to tears to think of the fact that Jesus was crushed when he took my place before the Father and bearing my sin. And 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And it, we just cannot imagine the agony Jesus went through and to endure our sins in order that you and I may be forgiven and go free. Another aspect, things that we're often thankful for, is deliverance. This psalm we just read in Psalm 107 is all about the deliverance of Israel, times when they were in desperate need of something, and God stepped up, God delivered, God helped. Maybe a comparable verse in the New Testament is in 2 Corinthians 2.14, which says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. And God delivers us as well and uses us. He, he brings us triumphantly through the difficulties and challenges and temptations and trials of life. That's what we find in Christ. And we we're thankful for those times and for God's power at that time. Another thing we're often thankful for is his benefits. And I love these verses in Psalm 103, which says, if you want to just flip back there, you're really close here. Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Another way of saying praise or being thankful, isn't it? Lifting up the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he lists some of them. Who forgives your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. 
And so we're thankful for the benefits that come from the hand of God, things that, are, things that bring great joy to our lives. And we could go on and on in Scripture at looking at the, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, and, and all he affords his children, all the benefits and strength and deliverance that he's given us. But I want to focus on, on a thanksgiving that goes beyond that. And if you will, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to focus a little bit on four passages this morning that tell us to be thankful when things aren't so good, when things aren't going well, when things aren't a welcome circumstance in our lives. And we'll just look here. We're going to come back and forth between these passages a little bit this morning. But verse 20 of Ephesians 5 puts thankfulness this way where he says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God's a God of absolutes, isn't he? And he uses a double absolute here, doesn't he? Always for all things. And there's no wiggle room there, is there? And that, and that includes the not-so-good things in our lives, doesn't it? Those unwelcome circumstances, those things that we, aren't, that we don't always want to see happen in our lives. This kind of thankfulness is not dependent on good circumstances, isn't it? Is it? Go to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians, chapter 4. In verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There we find another absolute in everything. We are thankful in, our, in, in, in committing our prayer requests to God in everything. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, it doesn't use an absolute there, but it's implied. To be thankful, that should be the norm, as this is a list of Christian qualities in the Christian who walks in the new life they have in Christ. And one of them is simply to be thankful. Go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now that's a whole lot of absolutes. And these are, these are directives given to us of our Father who tells us in everything, always, in every circumstances, we are to give thanks, always for all things. And that is just counter to our nature. Because we like to give thanks for good things. Yet this kind of thankfulness goes beyond being thankful for good circumstances. Instead, the, this expresses a thankfulness that is dependent on God and our willingness to trust God in the circumstances of life, in spite of circumstances, you might say, instead of because of circumstances. You know, Laura, Laura and I enjoy um, being outside, and we love good weather, and and often on a beautiful sunny day, we just thank the Lord for such a beautiful day. And then when it's miserable outside, we kind of leave the weather, weather forecast out of our prayers, don't we? And I think at those times, are we really being, are we thankful? Is, am I really fulfilling these verses? Do I see the hand of God in every day, no matter what it brings? And that's just kind of a silly illustration, but you get the picture in, in, in regards to all areas of life. Now I want... Before, as we to consider this more fully, to consider the circumstances uh, of the church to which these things were written. Now, these are just like, you know, jump off the page verses that we quote. But what's the context of them? 
Go back to chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. And I just notice something. This, this, this is the church to whom he wrote, in everything give thanks. Verse, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He says, You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so they became examples to us in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. Look, oh, jump over to chapter 2, verse 13. Where it says, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea, in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Look at chapter 3, if you would. Verse 1. It says, Therefore, when we can no longer endure it, we thought it would be good to be left in Athens alone. It said, Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. And so on. You see, this church was a church that was suffering some type of afflictions, persecutions, oppositions. It may have been the same type that the home church in Judea had suffered, the persecution of the, of the Jews and the Judaizers. But whatever it was, this was a church who received the gospel, received the instructions of the word of God under, under the context of afflictions. This was, a flick, this was a church who, was, who was, had very much misery going on in their lives, whatever the source may have been. And to that church, he says, and everything give thanks. In afflictions. That includes afflictions. In the worst of afflictions, especially in this case, that which seemed to have the capability of shaking their faith, that was Paul's concern. He says, in those afflictions, give thanks. Go back to Colossians chapter 3. Let's see what's going on here. And here we turn from maybe some type of external trouble to some internal concerns because what we find in this context as Paul's describing the character and expression of the new life in Christ, he says this in verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If any has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful, and so on. In this context that he's, that he's addressing here, this immediate context, is in regards to forbearing others, isn't it? He's, he gives some direct instructions in his teaching regard, regarding the expression of the new life in Christ, the new man, is specifically addressed or targeted towards forbearing one another. He mentions forbearance. He mentions forgiveness. If he mentions forbearance, there must have been some things or people that were unbearable. If he mentions some forgiveness, there must be some offenses. And so he's not talking about a real church because there's no perfect church. In any church, you're going to find times when th there are Offenses that are committed and, and people that are hard to bear in your lives. It's just the way it is. That's because we're sinners, all growing in grace, 
And because we're not perfect, the churches we attend are imperfect. And, and in that context of having to put up with your family members, so to speak, because that's what we are. We're a family of believers in Christ. He says, be thankful. Be thankful. And I think that's a direct reference to be thankful for one another. Be thankful for those that you have to forbear, for those who you have an opportunity to encourage and, up and lift up, to those who may need forgiveness. Be thankful. And that's a common theme in the scriptures, isn't it? We see Paul repeatedly expressing his thanks for other believers. And, he, and, and, and even though at times some churches he wrote to were carnal or struggling or confused, he was thankful for, for others. And that's the context of this directive to be thankful. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. So we have the first reference in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 towards being thankful for everything under afflictions. The second one is being afflicted by people to be thankful. And in Philippians chapter 4, we find anxiety, don't we? Be anxious for nothing in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Whatever it was that was causing it, Paul mentions anxiety, anxious for nothing. That what stresses people out is to be anxious for nothing but in everything. In contrast to being anxious, be committed to the Lord in prayer. So we have in the face of anxiety things that makes us anxious. None, and none of these things that we see in these, in these portions are welcome circumstances in our lives, things we're not normally thankful for or thankful in. But the Bible gives us a direction to be thankful. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 5, We don't know a lot about what was going on in the church at Ephesus from without specifically, but the verses before this in verses 8 through 17 talk about shining as lights in a dark world, living in a darkened world that w to which we're to shine as lights to expose the darkness. And then he coaches this command to give thanks always for all things in verse 20 in the context of the filling of the Spirit. So when you consider all these passages together, you come to realize that God wants us to be thankful always in everything, in every circumstance in life. Not necessarily for. There's things we're not thankful for when someone's sick or injured or dies. It's not something we're thankful for, but we're to be thankful in. We're to give thanks to God. In fact, he really tells us how that can happen because that's not normal. That's not natural. When we get into some type of a trial, we can generally just hate it at times, to be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we can't stand the circumstances we find ourselves in, and all we want is a way out. And that's why the lost, the unsaved, and sometimes even believers, they'll, 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 they'll go to liquid therapy to try to drown their sorrows and their troubles. Is they want answers. They want help. They want out. We do not welcome these things, but the God enables his children to go above and beyond that. And how do we do that? Well, in verse 20 here, in this context, in chapter 5, he tells us the how. In verse 18, when he says to be filled with the Spirit. It happens when we are controlled by the Spirit of God. When we trust the Spirit of God. When we are walking in the, in the Spirit of God, who always leads through his word, by the way. It is through the filling of the Spirit that we are enabled to give thanks always. It's not something that's going to come natural or normal. But under the direction of the Spirit of God, we can be thankful always for all things. Philippians chapter 4, if we're going to wear these books out here this morning, Philippians chapter 4, the how, how this happens and occurs in our life is in prayer. In prayer and supplication, letting our requests be made known to God. And I take in the context 
of that which causes us to get anxious and to worry and to fear and to fret. It implies, prayer implies committing ourselves to the hand of God. Bringing our, our problems to him. Casting all our care upon him because he cares for us. And coming to him and us in prayer, we find the ability to entrust ourselves and our circumstances to God. In Colossians chapter 3, in this context, after he says, be thankful, in verse 16, he tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom. That might be one clue to how we can be thankful. Because in that word, we find lots of promises, don't we, from a faithful God. Lots of promises. And when that word is dwelling in us richly, when we are occupied and preoccupied with God and his word, we can be thankful in spite of circumstances because it's a God in whom we are committing ourselves to in prayer. It's a God who is directing our steps through his word by the filling of the spirit. But it also says, if you jump down to verse 17 here, it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Notice we give thanks through him. It's through his perspective. It's through his power. And I think this means more than just praying in Jesus' name. It means it's, it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ and our trust in him that we can give thanks. It's because he has redeemed us. It's because he is with us. It's because he watches over us. We can, we can be thankful. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it simply says it's the will of God and respect to the will of God. And it should be normal for the child of God to respect the will of God and respect to the will of God. God just says, be thankful, which I take by implication and by comparing Scripture with Scripture it to mean that we trust him with everything. Because that's his will. We can rest. He's got it. He's taking care of us. And so in these passages, we see these, these implications to dependent upon the person and the power and the promises of God. And that's why this kind of thanks that goes beyond thankful for good stuff to thankfulness in all stuff is only for the child of God, one who's indwelt by the Spirit of God, one who can understand and relate to the Word of God, one who has a relationship with a person of God and is, can focus on Him, depend on Him, trust in Him. And therefore, not only is it only for the child of God, it is, it is the norm for the, for the one walking with the Lord Jesus in his daily life. And it's a trust that says God's, that implies, like, okay, God's got this. He's got us. Now, one other thing I want to note in these passages as well is that this, these are commanded, isn't it? This is not, hey, try this on for size. Maybe you'll like it kind of thing. This is a directive. God wants to direct our attention to him, to the work of the spirit, to the power of the word, and, and to his will. And it's a command, and therefore it's a choice. Isn't it? If it's a command, it's a choice for you and I to choose to be thankful in all things, in everything, always. It's a choice. It really comes down to a choice in how we're going to view life. Because we have afflictions every day, don't we? There's suffer things to suffer every day. There are things that could cause anxiety every day of our lives. And what, and what thankfulness is, is really comes down to an acknowledgement of God in the circumstances of life. That's what thankfulness is. It's really an acknowledgement of God 
in the circumstances of life because we can either choose to live under those anxieties and afflictions and get ulcers and all kinds of diseases because of the anxiety in our lives or we can be thankful. That's the Bible's remedy. To be thankful. What a strange formula for rest, isn't it? Simply be thankful. Nothing about getting us out of our problems. Nothing about eliminating our problems. He says be thankful. Which brings a rest to our hearts and our spirits, doesn't it? Because we focus on God, His person, and His promises, and His power in our lives. That's why James 1.3 says, when in trials, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy. Now, along the way we've seen and maybe you've realized that the strength of thankfulness, the basis of thankfulness is the character of God. And that's why being thankful is simply a, 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 an attitude that declares or recognizes or rests in God's character. He is who he says he is, and he does what he says he'll do. First of all, one aspect of God's character that we rely on to be thankful in trials, in tribulations, in troubles, and anxieties is his sovereignty, isn't it? We know God is in sovereign control of the universe. And even with what our nation has gone through in the last few years with the pandemic and all the craziness that's been associated with it, even with all the um, political wranglings all around us, it's easier to ignore than it is to try to keep up with. God's in control. And this wonderful verse, and I trust you have it memorized, Romans 8, 28, it just describes that sovereignty. We know that all things work together for good. All things. For those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. It doesn't say it's all good, but God is working out his program. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. He is a sovereign God. And he promises to take care of us. He's a sovereign God. He is in control. He doesn't nap on the throne and miss a few beats here and there. He's in charge. He's the one who puts presidents in place. He's the one who brings up, sets up kingdom and takes them down. Even Nebuchadnezzar recognized that. A world leader. You know, that's quite significant when you think about it. The number one dude in the world stands up and declares that the Almighty... Sets up kingdoms and takes them down. That's quite a declaration, isn't it, for a world leader? But that's who God is. That's why we can trust him. That's why we can be thankful. Also, we consider his power, his, his ability to, to do what he says he's going to do. We all love that verse in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. God's power is at work in us, in our lives. And he does way above and beyond. Another aspect of God's character that we rely on that encourages our hearts to be thankful in trials, that which anchors that thankfulness, that thankful spirit. It's really a, a, a perspective, a worldview, isn't it? A thankfulness. This is love. And we could go through a multitude, multitude of verses, but Psalm 36, 7 says this, How precious is your loving kindness, O oh God, therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Loving kindness is precious. God loves us in spite of ourselves. In a lot of the uh, giving thanks chapters in, in uh, Psalms associate God's mercy and goodness with our thankfulness. 
God's good to us and he's merciful. He takes care of us in spite of ourselves. You know, we never earn our way into the care of God. He just promises to take care of us. And he doesn't neglect us just because we've been a stinker. He just promises to take care of us. It doesn't change. His love is unchanging. It says that's why it's precious. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. And of course, behind all this is God's faithfulness. God is faithful to us. That's his character. It's an unchanging character. He is faithful to us and his promises he's made to us. And 1 Corinthians 10, 13 exhibits that when he says, no temptation, no testing has overtaken you, such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God knows your limits. God knows how much we can bear. And he knows just how much spiritual exercise we need, because that's what troubles are, really, the opportunity to exercise our faith to put it into practice. And God knows just what our breaking point is. And he always make a way of escape. And we can bear it no longer. He's faithful. He's faithful. That's what it says. He's faithful to that. He's never going to put you through something he has not prepared you for. Therefore, we're thankful to him because of his character and his ability to keep his promises. And so if the strength of our thankfulness is the character of God working on our behalf, the encouragement of thankfulness is his promises. Because, because he is who he says he is, he can do what he says he will do. And we have promises, and I'm not going to list all 5,000 or 7,000, whatever number you prefer this morning, but Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Simple but wonderful promise. He himself, I love that double emphasis. He himself, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now this should not be hard for a believer to understand. Because if you've been a parent, are a parent, been a parent, or even parented, would be quite obvious, I guess. You understand that uh, in the normal course of parenting, you want to help your children navigate life. You want to prepare them for the challenges they're going to face. Warn them about the threats to their, to their sanity and stability and good and health. And God is, loves us much more than we could ever love our own. And he's for us. He wants to help us. And he's given us these promises to reassure us of his sovereign care over our lives. And he promises to be with us, to uphold us, and to strengthen us. And yes, if we sin, he'll deal with it, just like a parent does with a disobedient child. But that doesn't mean he abandons us. Some people say that there are Christians who are spiritual orphans. Well, if they decided to be an orphan, it's because they walked away from a relationship with God. But even then, God loves them. It would be as the prodigal was, bring him to the pig pen to bring them back to himself. The verses in Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 3, familiar verses says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. 
For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Serba, Seba, excuse me, in your place. We serve an almighty God who's promised to be with us wherever we go and to watch over us. And we can be thankful. That's where thankfulness comes from. It is strengthened by the character of God. It, it, it is encouraged by the promises of God to be thankful no matter what we face in life. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves. But God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, does deliver us, and whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You know, last week we saw the Tim's missionary presentation of the work in the stand country, as, we, as we're calling it, and all the risk to Christian ministers, to Christians who are standing for the truth, Christians who are just attending church or owning a Bible, who are just declaring their salvation. The wonderful promise that I think Paul came to realize that he describes for us in the scriptures is that no matter how fierce the opposition, I'm not going home till God says it's time. Because he delivered us from so great a death. He, is, he does deliver us, and he still will deliver us until my ministry is done, and so we have nothing to fear. What? How can we fear? Because we need not fear what man can do to us because we're in God's hands. Second Timothy 1.12 says, For this reason I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Now, we often use that as a, as a verse of security and assurance, but I think in the context, it's in reference especially to physical deliverance. God's taking care of us. He's going to keep us until, it, until it's time to be with him. God is faithful. Now, one more thing I want you to see from these passages here. In this spirit of thankfulness, it's a spirit of thankfulness that doesn't simply produce a survival in the face of trials. It really is a thriving. It really is abundance. We can have abundance. Let's look again in, at these passages. Let's start with Ephesians chapter 5 again. And look at the attitudes that accompany thankfulness. And these aren't attitudes that are simply woe is me and I'm, somehow I'm, God's going to get me through this type of thing. Look what it says here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a context of joy, singing to one another in psalms and hymns. In spiritual songs. That means we, that this is an attitude that lifts others up. And so what this is telling us is the person who is in a difficult situation to have to give thanks always for all things is the one who lifts others up. You know, sometimes you go to encourage someone who's going through a trial and you find when they're trusting the Lord, they have a spirit of joy. They're singing in their hearts. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is thriving in those situations, not simply enduring them. We can have joy. We can sing that lifts others up, and then we can make melody to the Lord. So we have singing that lifts others up. We have singing that glorifies God while we're giving thanks always for all things. Look at, look at Philippians chapter 4. In each one of these contexts, we find this attitude of joy. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be, named, 
Be known to all men the Lord is at hand, and then be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So here we have peace added to the mix. Not only do we have rejoicing, we have peace, a calm, a peace, a trust, a rest, because God is in control, and we can trust Him. We may not understand. It may confuse us, and we may think, what in the world's God up to today? But we can rejoice in Him because we can give thanks to Him, and that brings a peace. And we usually think, associate peace with the absence of problems, don't we, as humans? But here, peace is simply in the Lord because he is a God who is sovereign, who is loving, who is faithful, who is powerful, who is all-knowing and cares for us. He's given us promises to encourage our trust, promises beyond imagination, and we can rest. We can find peace, can't we? Colossians chapter 3. Look what's associated with these, with this Directive to be thankful. Verse 15, it's the peace of God who rules in your heart to be thankful. In verse 16, along with the, the word of Christ dwelling in you, you teach and admonish one another. Here's that singing against in psalms and hymns and spiritual song and singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So we have the same singing that encourages others and glorifies God. First Thessalonians 5, verse 18, in this this bullet point list of God, the attitudes, we find rejoice always in verse 16, don't we? Along with everything, giving thanks and so on. What that indicates to us is that whatever God is putting you through is intended for your good, for his glory, and you can give thanks in it. In fact, you can cry, you can sing, you can rejoice because it's from the hand of God. And so many believers, when, when something uh, comes into our lives, we just tend to get depressed, discouraged, despair. God's forgotten me. What is God doing to this to me? Doesn't he know I'm not ready for this? I don't want this. I don't welcome this. I'm not even set up to handle this. We, all, we think all those things from our own human perspective, and we lose sight of the person of God, his sovereignty, his wisdom, his love, his power, his faithfulness, his kindness. We lose sight of his promises. And recognize that whatever God has for me, this is intended for me to jump up in the air, click my heels, and sing for joy. Not maybe because of, but because he has something special that I don't understand. The Father knows best, does he not? I think maybe that attitude of thankfulness is best summarized in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the key, isn't it? That's the key. Because we look at our circumstances you know, we have a plan for our lives, and when God disrupts those plans, sticks wheels in our spokes, brings something in our lives that is unwelcome, the directive is to be thankful. And we have to choose. Are we going to? Are we going to trust in the Lord with all our heart, not lean to our own understanding in all our ways? Well, there's a lot of absolutes in this message this morning, isn't there? In all our ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct our paths. And that's the path of joy. You know, we sometimes think our greatest path of fulfillment and happiness is following our own program, our own plan, being in control. Well, the best place to be is out of control, in reality, and let God control, which he is anyway. But when you rest and rejoice through a thankful spirit, we can find that peace and that joy that he intended for us. You see, thankfulness goes beyond just being glad for what I got. 
in the scriptures, the Bible deepens our thankful spirit to a perspective on life that finds our joy in him despite what's going on in our lives. It's then we, are, we find our greatest fulfillment. It's then that he is the most glorified. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for your patience with us, Father, for this is not something we learn very quickly, very easily. But we all have a, such a tendency, Father, to think that we know what's best in our lives, what's best for us. Instead, Father, you often upset our apple carts, Father, to cause us to see that you know best and that our joy needs to be in you because you are a God, almighty God, an all-powerful God who, who has the ability to direct our lives to the greatest fulfillment, to fulfill the greatest purposes, to experience the greatest joy, to find rest that is un unavailable except in Christ and a Father life that will glorify you. So, Father, help us to be thankful. To, to exhibit a trust with all our hearts towards you always in all things. So teach us these things, Father. May we learn to rest in your care for us. In Jesus' name.